0: What's up, my good peoples? Welcome to the Be Transform podcast where we're talking about ideas that stimulate wholesome thinking into identity, purpose, vision, and action. I am James Anderson, and with me is Logan Eaton. What's up, Holmes? Not much.
1: It's Sunday AM oh, Negative yeah. 40. Ooh. Outside and just sitting in the in the house, which is a, a warm 40 above zero. <laughs> gotta keep those uh those uh heating bills down, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're burning the barn siding in the kitchen <laughs> trying to stay warm.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do what it takes.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, it's cold here, but um it feels good inside. Nope. <laughs> okay. Beautiful.
0: Sweet. Well, this is a new year, 2022, and 2022 is the year of Prove it. Yes, the year of prove it is really all about realizing the potential that you've seen, right? I think over, you know, the past little while, you know, maybe you've seen some of your potential. Maybe you've said, you know, out loud to somebody else, like, hey, I could create this. Hey, I could develop this. I could create this habit. I could do this new thing. I could develop in this area. I could read these books. I could, whatever. There's something that you've seen inside yourself or seen that is possible to do. And 2022 is the year of proven. You know, this isn't like a, a message of like condemnation or fear or, or whatever it's it's an invitation with permission to like hey prove it like uh, there's all things that there's things that we've said sometimes there's a time for talk but then there's a time for action so it's like hey I've seen these things I've talked about it. I know I know I have you know to myself to God to my wife to logan you know stuff that i've just like hey man this is what's inside of me here's the influence we could have this is what we could do and it's like at some point it's like hey good prove it <laughs> do it oh, yeah. cultivate it get into it so that's what 22 is about 2022 is get into some uh some of that stuff and realize and cultivate that potential
1: yeah i was, I was thinking of that prove it and uh Yeah, I don't think it's like, like you said, there's no condemnation or fear or like even the pressure to like go out and like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I have to uh, change something or change the world this year by, you know, doing something. But it's really just like prove that like, I think it's just like prove these things that you've been on your mind, you know, even just creating a plan, narrowing something down and creating a plan or, or like just digging deep inside yourself and writing things down about how you react to things, your emotional state and all that. It's just like, prove that what you want to do or change or whatever is, is, uh, that you're going to, that you have the will to do it mm-hmm. and, uh, that you're going to do it. So even, it's not like just, okay, I got to go out and, uh, um, I don't know, you know, whatever, start something or, or whatever, but it's just get something on paper, get some ideas organized or something, and then take start making some decisions. So yeah, I just was, I was just thinking like, oh man, you know, 5 years ago I would have heard prove it and I would have had all this pressure and it probably would have ended <laughs> ended up like all crazy but it's there's no pressure it's like prove that you're you want to move in a direction and then and just start moving in the direction and that's the beginning of prove it I, I think to me. Yeah, prove absolutely. it. Absolutely. Just do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so today we are uh going to be in first Samuel 8. And uh, really, this episode and next episode is going to be like a case study on leadership. And there's a fair amount of like, hey, here's what not to do. And so what we're looking at is um, in Samuel, where uh, Samuel gets old, puts his sons, um, makes his sons judges, but his sons kind of suck. And then uh, the elders come to him and be like, bro, your sons kind of suck. So and so because of that, why don't you put a king over us? And this was like a really dumb decision. It was like, it was bad. And so anyways, so we're just kind of, we're going to kind of get into this whole thing from a leadership perspective of like, all right, what's going on? What are the decisions that are being made? You know, like what's, what's the ramification of these decisions? And just kind of... You know, see what it is that we can uh, grasp out of this. So in First um, in Samuel 8, uh, we'll just start reading a few of these verses. Uh, so it says, Now it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge over us like all the other nations. But this thing displeased Samuel. When they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However... You shall solemnly forewarn them, and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. All right. So Samuel is getting old, and uh, he's got two sons, but his sons aren't following in his ways. But for some reason, Samuel puts him in charge, right? Because for for the. For the last while Samuel's kind of been like the main the main cheese uh over Israel as a as a prophet and as a priest and um yeah so he has these these two sons who grow up and work with him but I don't know they're a bit of ba- bad seeds and um and so Samuel's thinking hey man I'm getting old I need to pass I need to uh I need somebody to kind of take over my position. So he puts his two sons in charge, even though they, ha- they have no business being in charge. And so this creates uh, some conflict with the elders. And so the elders hit up Samuel. They're like, hey, man, your sons don't walk in your ways. Now, this, this, was, a, this was the right move for the elders, Right. The elders who, you know, the people who are older, been around and are taking kind of, you know, who have kind of authority over the community. And so they they come to Samuel and they address this situation, which his sons should not be judges over them. Right. Which people would come to the judges and like that, you know, if they had disputes with their neighbors and they would get like a judgment pass and, you know, Get direction. You know, the conflicts they couldn't solve themselves, they would take to these judges. Well, you know, these these guys would pervert justice, take bribes, and whatever. So nobody's getting any kind of justice. So the elders come to Samuel and say, "Hey, man, we gotta we gotta do something about this." But then, but then the approach of the elders, like the um, the solution they came up with, was just it was terrible. They said, hey, we want to have a king rule over us. But this was their perspective. He said, because we want to be like all the other nations. Now, this is hilarious, right? Because when God took Israel out of Egypt, they had to dispossess, to to occupy the promised land, the land which they were given, they had to dispossess the people who were there. Now, they were given really strict instructions like, hey, you're not going to intermarry with these people or with the surrounding Nations around the promised land, because if you do, you're gonna get sucked into their customs and their ways, and you're gonna start following idols and all this fake ideology, and it's gonna take you away from me and into delusion. But here these guys are saying, like, hey, we want to be like all the other nations. So they're a bit uh they're a bit off track with what they think a nation should look like, right? Because the whole point of God, God created a nation out of Abraham, right? And the whole point of creating this nation was to display to the world what a nation who functioned in God actually looked like. And this was to be a light to all the other nations that would draw them to God, and people would actually walk in wholeness, restoration, and function. But here's these people who totally misunderstand that and say, hey, man, we want to be like all the other nations, so I think it's interesting when when I think about like you know how did we kind of get here. So Samuel had his two sons, right? But Samuel himself had an extremely interesting youth. Samuel was the byproduct his his mom, I, I don't remember her name, Hannah or something. Anyways, there was a you know Samuel's dad, and he had two wives. One was like having kids left and right, and then his mom wasn't having any kids. And so anyway, she prayed, and she prayed, and God uh, opened up her womb. But she said, you know, hey, God, if you give me a son, he'll be, uh, I don't know, he'll be a a priest. And so he'll come, and he'll he'll live at the temple. So she became pregnant, had Samuel, weaned him, and then he gets dropped off. (laughs) He gets dropped off at the temple where Eli who's the current priest in charge I quote unquote raises him right this is the, here's this kid I don't know how old like 4 5 I don't know like young <laughs> and goes and lives at the temple <clears throat> well Eli had also had two sons and his two sons also sucked like they were his two sons were the byproduct of his son's uh character killed was like the reason why god killed eli because he refused to restrain his sons so his sons they would go in they would like people would do sacrifices they would take out um they would stick a big prong and in, in, the, in the pot the meat that was boiling and it was it wasn't finished and they would come in and it was super disrespectful and they just pop their their fork in there and pull out whatever it stuck on. So whether it was a giant chunk or whatever, you know, they were just, they would come, they would just totally disrespect everybody. They were sleeping with (laughs) the girls at the temple and all this kind of weird stuff. So here you had Samuel grow up in an environment where, like, fatherhood wasn't really, uh, like, a beneficial thing. Like, Eli didn't know how to raise up his kids. And so Samuel grew up in this environment. He didn't even grow up at home, and um, which is also kind of weird. But from a very young age, you know, God spoke to him, and then he had this word against Eli saying, like, hey, this day's going to come, and, you know, you're going to die, your sons are going to die, because you didn't restrain him." And, like, here's all these curses because of your conduct. And that word came from Samuel. God spoke to Samuel. And so, really, God kind of raised, raised up Samuel, but he was in an environment where Eli, who was a father, who had two kids, didn't train, correct, and develop his sons. So then you have Samuel, who also has two sons, but he's kind of got the similar thing going on where, except like Samuel, like seeing like he was taking care of his duties, right? Like he was going around circuit, visiting these different towns and judging Israel and um, was, you know, faithful. But it's interesting. It's like, it's possible to know how to do something well, but then not know how to teach somebody else or train somebody else how to do what you're doing, right? Because he didn't; he was unable to teach his sons the right perspective, the attitude, right, that he had with God and with his duty. And because he was unable to do that, his sons kind of became how they became.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how, like, if, if one generation doesn't change how they're thinking and how they're, you know, conducting their affairs then it usually occurs in the next generation. So like Eli not taking care of his sons or guiding them in the right ways, Samuel grows up in that environment. Even though Eli might have been teaching Samuel different things, Samuel is still growing up in that environment where he saw Eli raising his sons, and then the same thing, similar thing kind of happens to uh, Samuel, where his sons are kind of disrespectful and not really, don't really know the the, the correct path to take, and yeah, it's just interesting how, you know, if one generation doesn't decide to change something, that usually shows up in the next generation, the next generation, and it's just, a, you know, like we talk about, it's an endless, um, endless thing. Totally. Or no, nothing ever, you know, changes for the right.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, cause I, yeah, sometimes it's like, it's the emphasis is like, hey, you need to do all these things, you need to be all these things, but then there's no like... Well, how does that translate then to real life? How does that translate to your family yeah. life? And I think that's where sometimes it's like, you know, <clears throat> some development it becomes like um, compartmentalized, right? So it's like in this one area I got it going on, but then in all these <laughs> other areas <laughs>
1: I don't got it going on, right? Yeah you, yeah, you
0: focus and grow one area, one piece of your garden, but then the rest of it's full of weeds, you know.
1: Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's
0: a good analogy. Yeah. So, that's kind of the situation that we got going on here. So, but for some reason, I don't I don't totally know why Samuel would put his <laughs> would put his sons in charge when they had no business being in charge. But that's like it's kind of like um eventually what kind of happens Later on, when Israel has kings, right? It's like the every you know, most well, there's a lot of changeover that happens, but then there's a lot of uh kings who then die and then their children take over, but their children don't necessarily have any business being kings, and most yeah. of these people don't really have any business yeah. being kings, <laughs> and um. Yeah, so it's like, he's like, here, I'm a priest, so then here's my sons. They should be able to take over, but without the correct equipping, there's total and utter failure, and so that's um, what we got cooking here. So if we go back to the elders, right? The elders, Samuel puts his sons in charge. The elders come to him and say, hey, man, you're old, meaning you're going to die and not be here anymore, and we're going to be left with your two sons who aren't qualified to be in that position. All right, bam, that was good. Good job. Way to adjust way to uh, address the problem. Now here's where they go off, right? He says, <clears throat> "Make us a king to judge us like all the other nations." I think this is interesting because you got the elders who are the leaders who have like you know, you know are coming in authority, hey, here's this problem, and we want to change it. But then the solution they have is like backwards. It's like, hey, here's the problem. Here's what we want changed. But we don't want any responsibility for the solution. We want somebody else to take responsibility. I want authority, but no responsibility. There's no point in having authority <laughs> if you're not going to take responsibility, right? It's like a, a authority is, is your ability to be responsible. It's like your permission to get after whatever it is you need to get after. You know, if the elders came to him and said, hey, look, these guys shouldn't be judges because of their conduct. Bam. Perfect. So we know people in all these different communities who would be good candidates for judges. So we're going to bring this up to the communities, have people vote, whatever, you know, and then bam, we'll put these guys over judges. If they would have done that, that would have been an exercise in responsibility, right? Like, we're not going to go, like, having a king is like a total shift in in how their whole government system works. Because right now, God's the king, Right. But there's like, hey, we want to be like a, all the other nations. Because look, they have kings, and everything's going well for them. So obviously, this is the right way to do things. <laughs> so, so yeah, so they ask for a king. But it's like, you should never seek out to have somebody rule over you. So, all right, bam. So Sam was like, "Oh my gosh!" And um, he goes and he prays to God, and God says, "Hey, man." He's like, "Look, man, they're not rejecting you; they're rejecting me." He's like, "So tell them, warn them. This is what the behavior of a king is going to look like." So here in um in verse ten. Uh, says, so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands, captains over his fifties, and will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest. And some will make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be his perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, in your olive groves, and will give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and will give it to his uh, officers and servants. And he will take your male servants and your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys, and he will put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants, and you will cry out. In that day, because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king rule over us, that we also may be like all the other nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. What complete and utter delusionment! (laughs) <laughs> yeah sure. I think, you know, these guys It's like um, These guys are so hopped up On the fact uh, On this problem Samuel's dying, right? And if you even go back What's the book before Samuel? Is that Judges? Oh no, yeah. Ruth Ruth and then oh. and, and Judges Well anyways, you know You think about Judges, right? Israel would walk away from God you know, in a generation, and then people would cry out, and then God would raise up a judge, and then that judge, you know, God would say, hey, let's go to war, and that, that person would kind of lead the charge, and then and then Israel would have peace, that judge would die, everybody would go back to serving you know, false gods, and you know, it was a rinse and repeat, it was like this, this constant um, cycle. So then you have, you know, then you have these priests and then you so you have Samuel. He's like, "All right, he's dead." And so it's like, "All right, we kind of got this cycle cooking in our history. Maybe having a king will solve our problems, but God's already the king." And I think, you know, w- one of the problems is like they've got because Samuel's old, his sons aren't the right people. They want this like quick, like instant gratification solution. And so they're not considering the long-term ramifications. Because what Samuel just laid out, which was from God, he just said, he said, and on that day that all these things come to pass, you guys will cry out and God won't hear you. Like, you will come to the realization that this was a dumb decision, but God (laughs) will not answer you. Like, he's trying to communicate to these elders, like, hey, this is a bad decision. But they're like, no, 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 but we will have a king over us because we want to be like all the other nations. Like, the the environment they're living in is, like, is an incorrect one because if, if the desire of their heart is to be like the other nations, like, they're so disconnected from, like, the reality of who God is. So one is like, <clears throat> you know, as we think about like pulling out some leadership principles, there's a difference between, you know, w- when you run into a problem, run into a conflict, when you, when you set out to accomplish something and you run into some kind of a roadblock, there can be a temptation to get into like the quick, instant gratification. I got this problem. What is the fastest way to get me out of this problem? Like, And that's like, oh, to tuck tail and run. Yeah like let's cast off responsibility, let's forget about commitment. How do how, what is the where is the closest exit, <laughs> right? That's like instant gratification. That's like the 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 quickest answer to your problem ish. But it's 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 without considering the consequences and the ramifications. And that's exactly what these guys are doing. Like God is trying to communicate the long term consequences to this decision. But these guys are so stuck on short term thinking that they're not considering what's this going to do to them? What's this going to do to their kids? What's this going to do to the next generation and the generation after that? I mean, you read through, you know, yeah, 2 Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. I mean, stuff goes wild. I mean, it's the majority of it is like, oh, this king was worse. Than the king before him, you know? It's like everybody kept getting worse and worse. But nobody's considering the, um, the ramifications. So it's not about the short-term gratification. It's about what did I say I was going to do? What am I doing? And what do I need to do to make good on my word, right? Miles, um, he, he defines integrity as the integration of your words and your deeds, right? Like what you said, you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. Even if you want to hop out, because like ah, oh, it's hard. You're going to stick it out and work through it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, it usually like when you when somebody knows that they're wrong, that's like the uh, generic response is just to yell out no. <laughs> <laughs> no you know the, I'm not listening I'm not listening that kind of response and that's exactly kind of what's going on it's like they know that they that Samuel's right that God's right that God is l- literally telling the future in front of them and so that's like that just like that little bit of psychology where when someone knows that they are wrong they obviously don't want to hear it and so that response is just <laughs> is just no with an exclamation point <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, yeah, talking about some of the principles there of leadership, um, it's yeah, it's extremely important to, I think that's why Christ, you know, emphasized counting the cost of your, your actions and your you know plans and all these things, and um, if something may look good on paper, like you get it all written down and look good on paper and stuff, but then... Um, you know, without counting the cost and going through some possible scenarios and things, um, yeah, you can just end up making a decision that, that uh, um, you know, may not have been a, a correct one or a good one or, or whatever. It's just so important to um, count the cost of what you're doing and, and uh, where you're going and not be, like, negligent over some details that you may not want to dive into. Sure. Um, or disregard some details that you don't wanna you don't wanna know about. You just wanna it's easy Total. to get <laughs> yeah. excited about something. Like, oh, we wanna look like the other nations and then that like the idea of not having any responsibilities or much accountability and you can everyone can just do whatever they want and somebody's gonna take care of us. Like that that's attractive to a lot of people. Sure. Um and so then you can just instead of counting the cost, you just you get attached emotionally to that idea, and then it's like, no, no, we don't want to we don't want to look into those other consequences or whatever could go wrong. Sure. <laughs> Everything looks good on paper, but then it's like, sure. when it when things start happening, it's it looks and then it starts to get really bad in reality. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's just kind of what I was thinking. That it's just funny that um, when you know you're wrong, and and you know, uh, a strong leader will admit that. Is this is not a good idea that I had or whatever. This is not going to work out well. Which is, you know, obviously what God did. But a, uh, a weak leader or somebody who you know doesn't want to take accountability, responsibility, doesn't want to hear, you know, what they don't want to hear. <laughs> totally. Just <laughs> 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 picturing my
0: kids, you know, somebody like asking for a treat and you say no, they like, no. <laughs> 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 Oh man. Yeah, you know, I think what you're talking about, you know, the the whole thing of taking responsibility. I think I think the the romantic idea of having a king over you, right? It's like that's going to solve all our problems, <laughs> yeah. right? The, you know, we got these priests and they got these sons and their sons suck. You, you know what's going to solve our problem? Having a king. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to have like total authority over us, that's gonna solve our problem. Because the king will always have our best interest at heart. That is total garbage. That is a romantic notion. <laughs> that is stupid. But you know, but you think about it, right? It's like the, the, the temptation to cast off responsibility because is real, like especially in a time of trial, or, you know, roadblock, or, you know, oh dang, this isn't working out quite how I thought, this doesn't look like everybody else, whatever, you know, it's kind of easy to think like, hey, let's just give all that decision making, like, to somebody else, right, but here's, here's what happens, right, when you set out to lead, when, when you, uh, Hold true to what you said you were gonna do. When you said, Hey, I'm gonna go do this thing, you show up, you're like, holy crap, this isn't quite what I thought. What the frick am I doing here? What am I gonna do now? Instant gratification would be to run, but responsibility would be to work through the struggle, right? Because it is a bit of a struggle. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of hey, life is hard, unless you're gonna just accept like life is hard now. I'm gonna go get mine, right? Like I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna, you're like I'm. That's not gonna be the thing that I whine about, or a thing that stops me. If it's gonna be hard, then I'm gonna train and become harder. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm not like it. Just becomes an excuse for not getting better. But there is a struggle, you know. There is a struggle, and you know, this is like this is just kind of like where I've been finding myself at. You know, as I like made this transition, you have the whole transition period. Which, even though I knew I knew there was a transition period, I still <laughs> I still had to go through it. You know, and it's always different than uh, what you thought it was gonna be. But it's like you kind of think like, all right, what am I doing here? What what did I say I was gonna do? What you know? You have to start. I had you know, just kind of look at the situation and figure out how do I make the best decision. But an answer wasn't coming to me super quick. And so it's like the temptation is to hop into that quick gratification, which is like, man, well, let's just run, because that's the easiest path. Yeah, (laughs) That's that instant gratification. But that's like, all right, well, what about reputation? What about your word? What about integrity? Like, what did you say you were going to do? Did you do any of those things? It's like, you know... (laughs) It's, but it's a, it can be a bit of a struggle and a challenge, right? To work out what's my vision? What's my purpose? Kind of like we were talking about earlier, like making a plan, you know, like he was talking about in um, As a Man Thinketh. He's like, you know, uh, I can't even remember, or like, de- but just like developing your plans so that you know what actions to take. Yeah. And, you know, this idea of Israel saying, hey, like, we throw our hands up, we just want a king. It's like they're casting off that responsibility and hoping somebody else will pick it up. Somebody else will seek out God to find vision. Somebody else will work through the the struggle of finding an answer and like, oh, what's the right decision? What's the right action to take here? Like somebody else will take that on. Somebody else will develop a plan. Somebody else will have to get sold on that vision and that plan and then continue to resell themselves because that's what you have to do. You have to resell yourself on what you're doing. You have to remind yourself, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm going, oh, yeah, all right, bam, I'm on board, right? You got to keep reselling yourself. But, you know, these elders are like, but somebody else will do that, right? Somebody else will persevere when it gets hard. Somebody else will figure out how to solve problems when they run into roadblocks. Like somebody else will take care of us. But the thing is it's like in that struggle, if you will, that's where development happens. That's where you grow in maturity. That's how you become strong. That's how your thinking becomes strong and higher. That's how you know, you learn how to problem solve, you develop skills. Like this is where you really start to encounter God in new ways and you start to understand who he is and you start to discover who you are even more as you, as you continue to persevere and you bypass the temptation for the, the, the broad road. You're like, but this path's already laid out, (laughs) you know, I could go here and somebody else will tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you know, the narrow path. Or, the, or, the, or, or the, the path that's barely been trodden. This path, you know, that your vision calls you down, that's where development happens. And so it's like if we cast off all that responsibility, then somebody else is getting all the development. And then we're staying junior, infant, you know, <sighs> underdeveloped because somebody else is, is taking that. And then the assumption is, is like because like vision is a picture of the future, right? It's, it's a picture of, of possibilities, what could be, what you could become, what you could create. If you don't have that picture, right Because that picture then is the thing that that, that necessitates discipline because you're like, all right, well, if I want to become this, what do I actually need to do to become this? Like what is it what's the attitude, the mentality? the the skills that i need to develop to become what i can see because what you can see is like a fully grown tree bearing fruit but what you have is a seed so it's like you got to like all right well how do i cultivate that seed but if you don't have that then what are you what are you becoming i mean you'll become as much as the person you're following has vision for you but I'm going to tell you the truth If if you're seeking somebody else to tell you who you're going to be, like another human being, you know, if if you just get into an organization, it's like, well, i just do whatever somebody else wants you to do. It's like, you're going to become the highest thought that they have for you, (laughs) but the problem is I don't think about you too much, right? But God who created you thought about you before you were born. And gave you specific gifts that were in complete line with the calling that you have. So it's like when you, you know, like these elders, they want to step out from underneath God, who had the purpose, had the vision, says, hey, man, this is where we're going, had their best interests at heart. Yeah. It takes work. Yeah, it takes, there's a bit of a struggle, conflict, you know, but I, frig, I don't know. When you work out, you got to hit resistance and that's what builds the muscles. I wish I could wake up and, you know, my biceps were 22 <laughs> inches, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not without some work, my good man. <laughs> and Not even that, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, we are created to work and develop and to push forward. And so if we cast that responsibility onto somebody else and we don't take that responsibility for ourselves, then we're we're losing the process that develops us. And you don't want to do that. Under God, in God, there is a lot more personal responsibility than if you live under the rule of another human being. Right? Like my job, my, my boss is going to tell me what to do. Maybe my pastor, maybe my spouse. I don't know. You know, it's like you will never truly become who you're created to become under the rule of another human being. That doesn't mean that we can't work for people and there can't be like a leadership structure. It just means that no matter what you're doing, it better line up with the vision that you have inside of God. It is your personal responsibility. To have that vision, because that's what it looks like to be in God is you gotta, you gotta you gotta discover it, work on developing it, making it more crystal clear. And that's the path to development. But the the the, the quick easy out will you'll wind up being underdeveloped because you're not going through the process and we're just kind of casting that off to somebody else, and that's what's going on here.
1: Yeah, there's a real too. I think like I like what you said, like your potential's not dictated by another individual. It's never dictated, which is hilarious because so much of like our generation thinks that like, oh, if, if this person gets elected, my, my potential will go up or, or whatever. <laughs> or like if I work for this job, sure. my potential's increased or whatever. But um <clears throat> but yeah, just understanding that's like it's not dictated by another individual. Um, and I think too that like accountability and responsibility. Talking about that, it's um, it, it's interesting that like I don't know how to how to put this, but I think sometimes people seek that they don't seek that accountability and responsibility, and, and understand like they don't seek out for themselves what potential they have because of that responsibility it calls them to. But it's like. People want someone to blame when things go wrong, so it's like if somebody else is telling me my potential or giving me a responsibility then it's it's their fault when stuff goes wrong or when a mistake happens and it's there's just such a fear of failure that um, taking responsibility and accountability and following a narrow path or or like you know recognizing that there's going to be problem solving to do in this endeavor or whatever um, or decisions to be made in this endeavor it um that, that fear of failure restricts people from, from doing those things. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting that I I think sometimes people get so caught up in being afraid to make a mistake that they, they don't want to look into their potential and they want somebody over them that, you know, defining their, their potential and defining their responsibilities and defining, you know, most of their lives, like you said, whether it's a pastor or a spouse or a boss or whatever, because then when a mistake happens, it's easy to be like, "Oh, well, they it's it's on them, it's on it's on this organization or whatever," and there's no, then there's there's no need to own up to something. Yeah, well, even when when there's that that lack of vision too,
0: you just like slip into like the day to day. Stuff,
1: yeah,
0: right. Like yeah. you're just you're just existing. Like I'm going yeah. to work. I'm going to the grocery store. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to church. Rinse and repeat. Rinse yeah. and repeat. <laughs> but it's like where are you really going? Where are the actions that you are taking daily? What are they developing? What are they creating? Yeah. Is it just is it just maintaining, or are you intentionally going somewhere? You should never not be going somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In that rinse and repeat cycle, little things become huge problems. And then there's no ability to, when you do finally start to make a plan or make decisions and there there's some real life problems and things that need solved and it's your responsibility, there's no, there has been no practice or reps in solving, you know, little problems. And so when you're getting caught in that cycle, that mundane day to day, little things become like, <laughs> these massive sure. things that tear you down and tear you up inside, but, um, but yeah, it's it's it just goes to the importance of making a decision and dealing with the consequences, not being afraid of the failure, or the mistake, or the I mean, so and so is going to say this or maybe not approve of it or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the other thing is like, you know, going back to, you know, you're not meant to have another human being rule of you, right? And that that was Genesis. Right? He says, Let's let's make mankind in our image and our likeness to be of our nature and our essence. And then let them have dominion over the earth. Like we weren't even designed to rule over one another. Like that's just not how we were designed. We were designed to be connected and joined with God and then in and with that connection to then display and demonstrate, like, the functionality of the kingdom on earth. That was the role. That was the mission, right? He's like, cultivate the earth until the whole thing looks like the pattern of the garden. And um, <clears throat> But what's interesting, it's like, you know, because some people, not only do some people not really think, you know, if, if, if you try to have somebody rule over you, maybe they don't think too much about what your life should look like or what the complete... Uh, picture of your potential is. Sometimes it'll go the opposite way, and they'll be like, hey man, you suck, or you don't have this ability, or you probably can't do that. But it's like when we think about like, hey, these people aren't over you. (laughs) These people didn't create your potential. These people didn't hide that gift inside of you. These people didn't have forethought about you before the earth was created. So their input is just their opinion or comment or negative speculation. So what's fun about not having a human being work or rule over you is that you're not subject to other people's opinions or or low quality comments right it's 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 the manufacturer who determines the quality of the product so yeah this, the 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 struggle there is can be a struggle but it's in that struggle it's in that 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 you'll find development and growth and so you don't want to be casting that off so but that's exactly what the um the elders were doing so they said hey we want to have a king over us because this guy is going to go out before us. He's going to fight our battles, and everything's going to be beautiful. This is hilarious. When have you ever heard about a king just going out to war all by his lonesome? <laughs> Never. Well, a king goes with his army. What's his army made out of? The people and the nation. And it's like... <clears throat> now, be because... You know this is all recorded. We can do this. So if we fast forward just a little bit, right? Because they're like, we're gonna have a king. He's gonna solve all our problems. He's gonna have our best interests. It's gonna be. Fa- we're gonna be all like all the other nations. This is gonna solve our problem. It's a. <laughs> this is a really big decision. That got stimulated from like, two sons. This is like let's have somebody rule over the entire nation because just these two people can't judge our uh, can't judge correctly. <laughs> this, is, this is nuts. All right, so if you fast forward, right, because they're like this king's going to solve our po- problems. He's going to have our best interest. You know, they're not going to be after dishonest gain. They're just going to be for our our benefit and well being. Let's go three kings in. So you got Saul, you got. David, and then you got Solomon. Solomon built the temple of God, which I want to say was seven years. Yep, there it is, seven years. And then he built himself a palace, which took 13 years. Now, if we do the math, what's that? Seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, twenty-one years. What is that? Twenty years?
1: Twenty, I think.
0: Twenty. <laughs> He, he had all of Israel in forced labor for 20 years. So he didn't make any of them <laughs> slaves, which is interesting because that statement implies that he could have. He could have made everybody slave labor. He made people from other nations slave labor, but he did not make Israel. But everybody was on a rotation where they would have to come for a period of time like, months, and then they could go back to their own lives. Just three kings in, everybody's getting uprooted from tending their own fields, their own vineyards, you know, like, their sheep, their families. People are getting uprooted, forced to, because the king has total authority over the people. They're getting uprooted from that and having to work for 20 years. So then the fourth king is... Solomon's son, who was an idiot. Now, this all transpired because <laughs> this, this was a word, the word of God, because Solomon like had a bajillion wives and concubines, and he was marrying all these, these ladies, these princesses from other nations, which nobody was supposed to do. And so because he did that, he built all his wives, these different shrines, and you know, idols so that they could go and worship on these high places. And so that was one of the things that started to lead Israel away after Solomon's death. So Solomon's son reigns, and the people come to, I think it was Rehoboam, the people come to him and say, hey, your father laid a heavy burden on us. If you lighten the load, we'll follow you like all the days that you're king. <laughs> so he gets he gets this he gets advice from uh, from some of the like the the older um advisors and then he gets one from his friend so the older advisors are like hey man if you if you lighten the load if we take out get rid of this forced labor you know or at least reduce it these people will follow you that's that's the advice of the older advisors. But then his younger friend gave him like a stupid advice. But this was the byproduct of God's word because of Solomon kind of leading people astray. So Rehoboam, so, he's, so the people come to him, says, hey, lighten the burden. He's like, all right, go away for three days, and then come back, and then I'll, I'll give you my response. And so the people came back, and here, here was his response. My father made your yoke heavy. But I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. Which I think, I could be wrong. I think that was like, if that was like kind of the whip that, that Jesus got whipped with, like it's a whip with like nails and glass. Oh, and wow. Yeah. Nasty some stuff. Shrapnel on, on it. it. Yeah. So. <clears throat> So that's just four, four kings deep, right? So he gives this advice. Everybody's like, you're a moron. And so <laughs> most of the kingdom leaves. are like, everybody to their own house. You know, we kind of rebel. But then they keep having different kings over them. Israel split into two different nations and things go on. But so yeah, bam, three kings deep, everybody's in forced labor. This is the byproduct of having somebody rule over you. Where you no longer have the authority over your life another human being does. This is like never, ever do that. (laughs) Never do that. Never let a man rule over you. That doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean like we don't have leadership and leadership structures for, you know, working in companies and trying to accomplish a vision. You can work with people all day long. But just never have anybody reign over you because it won't go. Yeah, it it will not go well. All right. Let's take a peek here. Oh, yeah. So check this out. All right. So let's look at this list real quick of um, Samuel lays out this list. Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Okay, so every so it, it, so, right? So uh, Samuel goes to God and says, "Hey, this is what the people said." He said, "Hey, man, do what they say, but tell them what a king's behavior is gonna gonna be like." Every time Samuel talked about the people, in this instruction, it was in reference to them losing something. Every time. Every time they talk about the people who were saying, hey, give us a king, every time they talked about it in relation to the king, it was them losing something. And every time they talked about the king, it was in him taking something from the people. This is how this list runs, right? So, right, so he says, bam, he's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to take the best of your fields. He's going to take your vineyards, and he's going to take your olive groves. He's going to take a tenth of your grain. And a tenth of your vintage. He's going to take your wine after he takes your vineyard. (laughs) That's messed up. He's going to take your male servants. He's going to take your female servants. These are the people you have working for you. He's going to take the finest of your young men. He's going to take your donkeys. Like, if none of that bothers you, he's going to take your donkeys. He's going to take a tenth of your sheep. And you will be his servants. That's how that list reads. You are going to be subject to a human being, and he's going to have authority to take the majority of your stuff. And he's going to use it for his own benefits. This guy who's going to go out and fight your battles, he's going to take you and your sons to go and fight for him. It's like they're just just—they're not thinking about the ramifications. And God is trying to communicate how this is a bad decision without just saying, this is a bad decision. He's like, look, this is what's gonna happen. He's like, here it is, but you have to think about what I'm telling you. Like, that's is kind of how I'm picturing this going. Like, Because God could have just said no, or he could have said, that's a really bad decision, just blunt, straight up, this is dumb. Instead, he doesn't say any of that. He says, all right. You want a king? This is what it's going to look like. It's going to go bad for you, and eventually you're going to cry out, and I'm not going to hear you. He's, he's, he's giving them all the information, like you were talking about earlier about counting the cost. He's giving them all the information that they need to, con- to reconsider this decision, but they refuse to take the advice because they're so sold on this short-term decision that they can't listen to reason because that's what this is. This is reason. He's going to take all your stuff whenever He wants, however much He wants, because you, you're letting Him reign over you. That's the byproduct of a man reigning over you versus God.
1: <laughs> I was just picturing the 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 uh, people of Israel plugging their ears going, doing the la-la-la-la-la-la-la.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you.
1: <laughs> but no... <laughs> yeah. But no, I don't have I don't have too much to add to that. I think that's all um, extremely accurate and and truthful and um... yeah. I mean, it's just it's beautiful that that um, you know. I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead, but that like God warned them all these things that, that things that were He's like this is fact, it's going to happen, and that. But He like like you say, He didn't say no, don't do it, and not give a reason, or He didn't say you you know you know uh, whatever. But he, he was like, here's what's going to happen. And then when they refused to listen, he was like, okay, then, you know, the, the, I guess it's like a, it's kind of a beautiful picture of, of like God's gift of free will, like, you know, not, not limiting anybody to learn from their mistakes or anything or preventing somebody from learning from their mistakes or something. But it was like this, a kind of a beautiful picture of free will where it's like, okay, then he tells Samuel like, okay, give them a king. And, um, yeah, even though it's like there there's like terrible consequences to that, but it's like there was like this beautiful picture of free will kind of totally. Yeah, I think yeah. So it's like <laughs> the
0: next leadership principle would be listen to sound advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh, don't plug your ears and go la la la. <laughs> All right, so bam, Um, boom. He's like, this is what's going to go down. You guys are going to cry. God's not going (laughs) to hear you. (laughs) Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and said, no, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the other nations. Right? They got a picture of what they want to become. It's just the wrong picture. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles, which God was already doing. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and repeated it in the hearing of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to all the people, every man go back to his city. All right, so that's the end of chapter eight. So just real quick to wrap this up in, in, um, in chapter nine, you got the whole story of um, kind of how Saul meets up with Samuel um, you know, Saul is going to be the uh, the chosen king. And so anyway, Saul's, Saul's dad has some donkeys, and uh, they got they ran away. And so he's out a couple days looking for him with his servant. And his servant's like, hey, you know, there's this uh, seer or this prophet uh, up here in this town, and I bet he could tell us where our sheep are. And so they go, they hit up Samuel. And you know, God already tells Samuel, he's like, hey man, this guy's gonna come up looking for a sheep. They're already found. And you're gonna you're gonna tell him that he's gonna be king. So anyways, they kinda hang out for the day, go up to a sacrifice, stay the night, the next and then the the um, the next day uh, Samuel says, Hey man, tell your servant to go on ahead and uh let's let's me and you chat for a second. So Samuel pours a flask of oil over his head and says, you know, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? And uh, he's like, What? And um and so then Samuel kind of goes on and says, Hey man, here's here's all here's like here's these these all these signs that are gonna follow. So he's like, he, he anoints him, says, You're gonna be king. Now, as you leave, you are gonna. this is going to happen, 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 and these are going to be the signs that what I'm saying is true. And then he says this. This is super interesting. He's like, you know, you're going to run into these prophets, then you're going to prophesy. Um, he says in verse 7, he says, And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. Do as the occasion demands. And I was just thinking that's such a wonderful statement. Do as the occasion demands. But I was thinking how like that word should have been the word for every man, woman, and child in Israel. That should have been the word for all of them in taking responsibility for their lives and for the people around them in their communities and their nation. But instead, this is going to one person because they want one person, a human being, to rule over them. And so to that one person, this word came, do whatever the occasion demands. But that should have been the personal responsibility of everybody. But do as the occasion demands, right? That's like rise to the occasion. There's situations, there's circumstances. And so those, when you're committed to what you're doing, you got to rise to the occasion you gotta you gotta overcome the obstacles you don't wanna run you gotta press into the struggle and work through it until completion rise to the occasion or do as the occasion demands all right so bam then this is all just kind of funny um uh, then um Oh, yeah, here we go. Bam. So in, in, in verse 17, um, this is where, uh, Samuel has all the people come back. And so <laughs> this is just kind of funny. It says, then Samuel called the people together to the Lord in Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought "'Up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, "'and from the hands of all the kingdoms, and from those who oppressed you. "'But you today rejected your God, who himself saved you "'from all your adversaries and your tribulations. "'And you have said to him, No, set a king over us. "'Now therefore present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans.'" So this (laughs) this was the last like smack in the face. He's he's like, I told you this was a stupid idea. But you're but you guys are stubborn and say, No, set as a king with your fingers in your ears. So here we go. So when Solomon had caused all the tribes to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen when he had caused the tribe of benjamin to come near uh, by their families the family of matri was chosen and Saul the son of kish was chosen but when they sought him they couldn't he could not be found therefore they inquired of the lord further has this man not arrived yet he, and the lord said there <laughs> there he is hidden among the equipment here's the king that you want to rule over you so they ran brought him From there and stood among the people. He was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel and all the people went away, every man to himself. And Saul also went to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents. But he held his peace. So it's interesting, you know, in in chapter 9, they were talking about how... Oh, you know, I think it was when they were prophesying or something... (laughs) Samuel said that's when God was going to change his heart. Like God needed to turn this guy into somebody else. But the reason he chose this guy is because this is what Israel was looking for. This guy was taller than everybody. Like people's heads were at his shoulders. So he was a head taller than everybody. He looked, you know, uh, I don't know. He just looked the part. Because that's what they wanted to be. They wanted to be like all the other nations. So let's give them a person who looks like somebody who can lead, but not necessarily somebody who can lead, which <laughs> is why he was hiding in the luggage. Yeah. So this is where we're at. <clears throat> and next episode we'll kind of look at um, we'll look at some of the decisions Saul made and uh, kind of the attitudes he displayed and see what kind of uh, principles we can can learn from those. But at the end of the day, man, never set another human being to rule over you. It will not go well. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sweet. All right, my good peoples, that's us. Until next time, peace.